Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You need to baptize the Holy Spirit to be who God wants you to be at your job. Because we're, we're also called to be witnesses in this world. And so where does the boldness come from to be a witness, to speak out, to not be quiet, to, to, to love somebody enough to go ahead and share the gospel with them? Where does the unction to do that come from? It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And God will put his spirit on somebody that's shy normally. And they won't be able to contain themselves. They'll, they'll, they'll be so moved by the spirit that I, I got to tell them, I got to say something. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're given two things, the Holy Spirit and the calling to share the gospel with others. And in order to share the gospel, you need the Holy Spirit. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to give us insight as to the right time to speak, what to say, and how to respond. We need the emboldening of the Holy Spirit to propel us into all the earth. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Those things that you used to love, you'll be like, I hate that. I don't know why I keep doing that. I hate it. You didn't used to hate it. How come you hate it? Because the Holy Spirit's inside you saying, I hate that. I, don't it feel terrible when you do that? That's because I live here. You know, when you when you weren't saved and you sinned, you didn't feel bad afterwards unless you was in jail for it. You know, but I mean, you know, if you got away with it and it went well, you didn't feel bad. I, I didn't. I didn't. I never felt bad about my sins till I got saved. And then you feel bad. You feel bad when you're thinking about sinning. And so that's the Holy Spirit living in you. But then there's a third experience. And we alluded to it last week. Uh, we'll, we'll look at it further this week because this is the experience that happened here. The Holy Spirit coming upon the believers. And Acts 1, uh, 8, as the early church, the, the disciples were told, wait, wait in Jerusalem. Don't go. You guys are ill prepared to go. I mean, this is the group that's going to be the early church. They were going to be the, the, the beginning of the church of God. And, and it's all its power. God said, you guys are not ready yet. But we've been with Jesus I know, but you're not ready yet. We've walked with Jesus. He breathed on us in John 20 and the Holy Spirit came in to live inside of us. You're not ready yet to go and serve in this way. You need power upon your life. And so he tells him in Acts 1, 8, um, and I'll read, uh, yeah, one chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, I want you guys to wait and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you're going to receive power to be witnesses to me of me in these three places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, everywhere. And so they waited and they were in prayer and they were in the upper room and they waited on the Lord. And the Lord met them there and you get to Acts chapter two and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. There's a one time sort of an experience on the day of Pentecost. There were tongues like cloven fire above everyone's head and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and everyone there spoke in tongues. Everybody there. As they were speaking in tongues, right? They're from Galilee. They're locals. Um, they're from Galilee. So people were there from everywhere. It was it's Pentecost. It's a time where everybody comes from everywhere to worship. And they heard them. People heard them worshiping God in their language. And so that, that's all co- coincides with what the scriptures teach. The Bible says when someone speaks in tongues, they don't speak to men. But who do they speak to? Speak to God. And we know that it's praise. And so if you're ever at a place where someone gives a tongue and there's an interpretation, I look for the interpretation to be to the Lord and for it to be praise. 
if the interpretation sounds like a prophecy, I would, I would say that's not, that's, that's a prophetic, that's not a, that's not a, that's not the interpretation of the tongue. The tongue is going to be something to God. And so there can be a tongue and an interpretation. That's what was happening there. They were all speaking in tongues. The tongue was unknown to the one speaking it. And that's why it's tongue is unknown, unknown to the one speaking it. And it could be the tongues of men, the tongues of angels, the one speaking it doesn't know. But in that instance there, there was a supernatural phenomenon that God, the spirit came upon them. They spoke in tongues. And as they did so, the people around were like, whoa, they are praising God in my language. It would be as though it would be like a group of us being somewhere where there were people from every nation. There would be people that speak Swahili and I don't know all the languages, but, you know, and, and someone would hear you praising God in perfect, you know, Tongan or perfect Swahili or perfect something that you don't speak. That's what was happening there. And so why did God do that? Right. How come how come he did that on that day? Well, as you follow through Acts 2, it caused quite a stir. Everybody was I mean, it blew, blew people away and it caused people to start making assumptions and about what was going on. And they said, well, they're, they're drunk. And Peter said, I'm, I'm going to clear this up for y'all. And Peter stepped forward. What it did was it paved the way. It opened the door for the first gospel presentation of the early church um, after they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was powerful. Peter finally gets to do the thing God promised him when he first got when he first came to follow Jesus. Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He hasn't fished yet. But that day he gets up there and he says, this is. These men aren't drunk as you suppose, but this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he quotes a lengthy section of scripture from Joel chapter two about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh and people going to dream dreams and visions and all these different things. And he said, this is what's going on. And then he turns a corner and starts preaching the gospel. Three thousand people get saved on the spot. Work of the, work of the Holy Spirit. Why do I bring that up? Right. There are churches that try to re. Like we're going to have this, we're going to, we're going to reinvent Acts chapter two again and again and again. I'm just going to say that Acts chapter two is in Acts chapter two. That was a, that was a historic event. You can't recreate Acts chapter two. You can get everybody to get up and speak in tongues and do it. We're the clove and tongues of fire. You can't recreate. That was something God did. It wasn't manufactured. The disciples didn't go down there saying, you know, we're going to we're going to go. And, and when pastor tells us we're going to all just start going off in tongues and, and it's going to be awesome. That's not how it happened. They went down there and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and something they had never done before. They, they, they were given utterance. And they, 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 they let they let God use them. And God did a wonderful thing. So back to what we're looking at. Numbers 11. Right. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And. The, it results in them exercising a particular gift of the Holy Spirit. So one thing I want to point out is when the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives, it's it's to empower us for service. And many times that's where people get in touch with their spiritual gifts. That's where those gifts that we have that maybe we're sitting dormant as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Many times that's where the boldness to step out, to give life to those things where God initiates those kind of works. And for this group here, they all prophesied. It's interesting. So it says, um, look at verse 25 again. The spirit that was upon him, he took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same spirit upon the 70 elders and it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied but it says although they never did this again so for them this was something God did that day 
Wasn't something that was going to be a continual thing. Uh, Moses was going to continue to be the spokesman. They were going to be, though, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Their work was going to be more of an administrative work. Why did he pick the 70 elders? Because Moses was overwhelmed governing all these people. And God said, I'm going to give you 70 people of the elders, but I need to pour my spirit upon them. So you have seven spirit filled elders to help you. Uh, administrate to help you help you organize things and to help you do what you need to do concerning the people. I would just point this out that when it comes to Christian service, it's a, it should be a prerequisite, a requirement that if we're going to serve God, that those that are serving God, that they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you're not serving God in the emptiness of your own flesh. That you're not serving God in the energy of your own ability or, well, I've always been able to do this really good. And so I'm going to just do this for the Lord. You might be doing something practical for the Lord. You could be organizing tables and setting up things and tearing down or doing security or leading kids. Whatever you do for God so that you could do it right. You need his power upon your life. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you might be effective in service. Let's just move away from church. Right. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be who God wants you to be at your job. Because we're, we're also called to be witnesses in this world. And so where does the boldness come from to be a witness, to speak out, to not be quiet, to, to, to love somebody enough to go ahead and share the gospel with them? Where does the unction to do that come from? It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And God will put his spirit on somebody that's shy normally. And they won't be able to contain themselves. They'll, they'll, they'll be so moved by the spirit that I, I got to tell them, I got to say something. I'm going to go ahead and share the gospel. It's not really what I normally do in and of myself. I normally am quiet, reserved to myself. But for this cause, I'm going to go ahead and speak the truth. I'm going to go ahead and love them with the gospel. I'm going to move forward and do what God gave me to do. So so the question I would ask all of us, right, is we're looking at them here. 70 people that are going to be of service and help. The spirit comes upon them so they can be helpful. Notice that they weren't helpful before that. They, They had already been serving and helping. But God says before I give them to you. I want my spirit to be upon them. They need it to be helpful in service. So what all of us could ask ourselves is, have I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And if so, how do I know? What evidence do I look for? In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they all spoke with tongues. In Numbers 11, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they all prophesied. And as you move through, you go back to the book of Acts and you can look through the book of Acts and there are times in Acts 4.31 when the Holy Spirit came upon them there after they prayed, they all spoke the word with boldness. And so there's different ways at different times. It's not one thing. It's not like Holy Spirit came upon my life and, you know, so I, since they did that here, that's what I'm supposed to do. This is what you want to do. If you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon your life, and I guess that's coming up in our, our, in our notes, but... It's free for the asking for us. For the believer, we all, all we need to do is say, Lord, I want it. Lord, Lord, I believe that there's more that you have. And I'm asking that you would pour out your spirit upon my life. I don't want to serve you in the emptiness of my own flesh or energy. And so would you baptize me in your power? And the, the same idea of water baptism where you're just completely immersed. The idea is that I'm, I'm submerged. I'm, I'm, I'm immersed in. I'm yielded to completely the Holy Spirit. You can't pray that prayer and be obstinate. If I'm going to pray that prayer, I'm going to say, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I'm also saying, I'm going to yield to you as well. I'm going to obey. I'm going to be led by you. I'm going to do the things you tell me to do. I, I desire that you would just have full access to my life, that your power might be revealed in me. And as you read in Acts and you look at those that were 
baptized in the Holy Spirit in that way, they were very effective and very useful to the Lord and to the church. They were beneficial to the work of God. And these men here are going to be beneficial to the work of God as well. So, but back to my question, how do I know that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? What evidence are we to look for in our lives? And I think there's a few things that we should look for. One, um, just because it says so in Acts 1-8, am, am I emboldened to be a witness? Right? Has, has, has God coming upon my life? And am I? Because he, he says, the Spirit's going to come upon you and you will be witnesses of me. Am I a willing witness for the Lord? Is my life a witness to God? Are there people that are hearing the gospel because of your witness? That's an evidence. That's one way that you would look and say, boom, the Holy Spirit is upon that guy. I, I thought of this story when um, I was doing high school ministry. I had a, a guy that was, a, it was a, he was assisting me. His name is Sopak. And he is he's a Cambodian. He's Cambodian. And we went to Russia to do the mission trip. He's pretty reserved. He's an educator. He's a teacher. He's pretty straight, narrow, and he's not very outgoing. He wasn't. Things change. So it was always he was just very kind of reserved and quiet. And and when we got to Russia, he was nervous because they said, we're going to be doing witnessing every single day. We're going to be in the streets. We're going to be at the parks. We're going to be in the neighborhoods every day. We're witnessing. We're going to five cities to do outreaches and the day we get to the city, all day outreach, all day passing out flyers, sharing the gospel, meeting people. The next day, do the outreach, pack up, go to the next city. Five cities in two weeks we were doing. And so we got out there, and in, in one of the first studies, we were there, and everybody was just, all right, we, we, everybody had to give a, a, assess ourselves up until this point. Where are we at? Why are we here? What did, what did we come to do? And there was an agreement with the Holy Spirit that we all made that we're just yielding to him. Whatever he wants to do with us, in us and through us, that we won't resist him, fight him, that we'll just let God have his way. That this two weeks that we came all the way to Russia, that we did not come here to waste time, but that we want to make the most of this time. And I remember the first day we were in a city called Crystal Goose. And we, we had devotions that morning. We prayed. We asked the Lord to baptize us in his power, fill us anew and afresh. And we went out and I remember watching him. And it, it was like a, it, it was like a, it was like watching an engine get started. So I started slow and he got going and I say by noon, he was just like, man, I'm about this. And you'd have thought, I mean, by noon, it was like, like, it just looked like that's what, like, that's what he's always done. And I'm watching him just go everywhere, just talking to everybody. He's, he's like the hustle witness man, just whoop, 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 and, and it just carried on. And my concern was, I'm like, I wonder if when we get back, that's going to continue or, or is it easier to do it here? Cause we'll never see these people again, but we got back and I had a, it was a different guy. That, that was the Holy Spirit had come upon his life and he's not stopped. He's still doing it right now. He's at Calvary Chapel in Long Beach and he's taking same thing we were doing there. He's taking kids on mission trips and he's out there witnessing and so forth and so on. So I remember watching that happen in his life, though, and it was it was awesome. I, I watched a guy go from being I mean, he is still who he is. But for the Lord, he's a different man. You know, I'm God, you can have me. So do we have power to be a witness? Are there spiritual gifts flowing do you have any gifts? Um, I don't believe that the, the, you know, I don't believe that the one gift that we look for is the gift of tongues. I don't believe that. I believe that we should ask for it. I believe every gift that's there, I believe every believer should take time and go through every gift and say, Lord, do I have that? Because if, 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 if it's for me, I want it. If it's tongue, I speak in tongues, I pray in tongues. Uh, if it's whatever it is, Lord, if that's available, I want it. 
I don't want to be lacking anything that you want to give me because they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. And God don't give no bad gifts. Um, now he says, do, do all speak in tongues? What's, what's the answer? Do all prophesy? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all? No, 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 no. We don't all have everything, but we all have something. So there's another evidence. Am I walking the fullness? Do I have a gift? And is it flowing? Is it flowing in a way that's glorifying God, edifying the body? There's an evidence that I'm walking in the fullness of the spirit. And then I think the greatest, and I said it last week, but I'll say it again, evidence that someone's walking in the fullness of the spirit is the fruits of the spirit in our life. The one thing that can't be manufactured and faked, fruit. We'll know them by their fruit. Because you can have some people that the gifts and callings, uh, Romans eleven twenty eight. the gifts and callings are irrevocable. God don't take them back. You can have a man in full, fully in the flesh that's got a fully intact gift. And you're looking at it like, I mean, how can, how can a guy that was doing that in private have that in public? And, and I've been blown away at times seeing when, when, the, when the curtain gets pulled back and someone's exposed for something they were doing to recognize it. But he was doing that. And it was, he was doing it really well, but he was living like that in the private. The gifts and callings are irrevocable. And so there are times where people can be living wrong and a gift still be functioning in, in their life. But fruit can't be faked. And so we want to look for in our life. God, I'm looking for the fruit of the spirit. If, if I recognize, if you recognize in your own life, God, I don't, the fruit of the spirit is I don't have that. I'm, I don't have gentleness and kindness and love and patience and long suffering and self-control. I, I'm lacking those things then you want that to be a problem. God, that's the fruit of walking in the fullness of your spirit. And so I want to I wanna look for those things in my life as an expectation, right? If I'm walking in the fullness of the spirit, I should be someone, not in my normal demeanor, but I should be someone that by God's help and because God is upon my life, that I can't be gentle and I can't be patient and I can't have self-control and I can't love. And I, I can have all those things flowing through my life because God, spirit is upon my life. So I think the fruit is what we ultimately look for as the evidence that God's power is upon our life in a significant way. So moving on here, the spirit came upon them. They prophesied. And again, it says, although they never did this again, look at verses 26. Um, it says, um, but two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad. The name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. So you got two guys that weren't with the big group. Uh, They had stayed back. And when the Holy Spirit fell upon the 70, these two that were they were numbered, they had been counted in. They just weren't there at the moment. The Holy Spirit fell upon them where they were. And so they start prophesying where they were. And so it happens that a young man, verse 27, and a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And this is what happens a lot of times in groups, right? There's a, we're over here prophesying and doing great things and we're excited about what God's doing in us. But we hear that there's two other guys. They're, they're doing it now. Did you hear about them over in the camp prophesying? Did you say that was Okay. Does that did anybody remember any verse that reminds you of that? Like I, I, I when I read that here, it, it made me think of the Gospels when the the the, the it was with James and John. And they said they, they they're over there doing it, and, and they should we call down fire and smoke them for they're not with us, you know? And Jesus said, "Man, we didn't come to do that." 
if they're not against us, what? You can't, they're with us, man. We're not, we, they don't, they're not, we're not, we're not here to, you know, have, you know, everybody have to do it our way or be with our group. And so sometimes that happens in Christianity where we feel like, well, we're doing this and don't recognize it. There's this, if you're a genuine Christian, you recognize this, that the work of God is bigger than any one little assembly. And he's working all over the place in different ways. So we may have our way of doing something here. And I can't be mad at the fact that God's doing it a different way over there. Now, we're not talking about cults and false teachers. Just inside the realm of genuine Christendom, they're just people that do some little things different. We all going to heaven together. So it's a healthy space for believers to be in a place where we recognize how big the church of Jesus Christ is and how many different kinds of people are in it. You don't ever want to be the kind of believer that's got small sight. We're, we're, this is our group over here. That's typically that's what cults do. Cults are typically the groups that are like, it's just us. And if you're not part of us, then you're probably not part of it anyway. Um, so you want to you want to fight off any of that. That that's not how God works. But here and, and I thought it was interesting. It says a young man uh, ran and told Moses um, somebody saw that somebody else was prophesying. And and it, I mean, he ran to go tell. And I thought that was interesting because I, I, I look at many times the the energy that people will put forth into bringing division and issues in the body. I mean, he, he ran. He said, this has to be dealt with right now. Now, even Joshua gets caught up in it. Verse 28. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Even Joshua. Joshua is Moses' assistant. You know, we know Joshua is going to be the guy to take over after Moses. He's a good guy. But he says, yeah, but man, Moses, tell them to stop it. Tell them they can't prophesy. Only we can. Only this group over here, not them. And Moses being a spiritual leader, uh, having wisdom, said this, verse 29. Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses, I wish God put his spirit on everybody. I wish everybody was. I, I wish I wish everybody had this. You know why? Because Moses, my problems would be over. <laughs> if you put God's spirit upon all those people complaining, they wouldn't be no more complaining. Can you complain while you feel with the Holy Spirit? I don't know, we, we, we took off by delay, but just just imagine all those people that are complaining, baptized in the Holy Spirit, yielded to the Lord. It would be easier. It'd be. I mean, that would be a wonderful place to be. And so we don't want to you know, section off or confine the work of God. We really want to see it spread. We want to see it move out. And to that question, right? Because Moses got caught up a little bit too and complaining. And we know that the spirit was with him, but he complained to the Lord. So I, I do have to say this. I was thinking about it earlier when I was reading this over. The Holy Spirit coming upon our life doesn't make us perfect. Doesn't make us perfect. And all you got to do is read your Bible and see men and people whose God's spirit was upon and we'll see that they were still flawed people. They weren't perfect, uh, but they were empowered. And so I just want to say that, you know, I want somebody that's just, you know, maybe maybe you may be looking at your imperfections right now. Say, I couldn't be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, just know that it doesn't make you perfect. Just in fairness, I have to say that because I'm looking at people that God said had it, but they weren't perfect either. You know, but but they were different. So moving on. It said now uh, verse 
29, again, Moses said, are you zealous for me um, or, for, or for my sake? And he said, man, I wish everybody was doing this. Verse 30, Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Now a wind went out from the Lord and brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp and about two cubits above the, the surface of the ground. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website, at CalvaryInglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryInglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.